you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Around the NFL podcast hates vending machines. That's true. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. And I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I'm not sure why vending machines honestly still exist, other than the fact that they're gigantic and they're hard to take out of a building, and that's why they're still Uh sitting in break rooms. And for people that don't know, my feeling is one particular vending machine in the newsroom break room that has been stealing money from people here, and the shadowy league figures look the other way, but... Same time, I know they got more important things to deal with right now, so I'm, I'm just going to back off on the vending machine. It's a fossilized vengeance. idea, and they're mostly filled with unhealthy food. Um, okay, so <laughs> speaking of more important things, to yeah, talk about. the uh, the NFL in Week 15. This is the flagship program uh, presented, of course, by Head and Shoulders on a day when once again um, fate shined brightly upon the New England Patriots. Uh, a, a big, huge, huge, huge win for New England. Greg has got a little pep in his step, as he's known to do. Greg, you're feeling good right now? I certainly enjoyed that game, yeah. Nothing nothing gets me more peppy than a article about the catch rule that I just wrote. <laughs> uh, Way to go. Uh, no more catch Nothing roll. like getting quotes off of an Al Riveron uh, tweet sent from NFL Operations. That'll get your juices. Filled. NFL Ops gets me pumped up about professional football personally. Uh, so, yes, we're going to talk about that huge game at Heinz Field. And, of course, another unfortunate injury. What a season this has been. Uh, and uh, uh, the team of ATL with another huge statement and the return of Aaron Rodgers and why it might not matter ultimately. So much to get to. Uh, in fact, so much to get to. We should just do it, right, Wes? Let's do it. How you doing, buddy? How you feeling? I feel good today. Give us an update. Where's Chris Wessling at physically? Well, today is good. I 
I'm very hesitant to ever give updates that go beyond the next hour because that's how often my body changes in reaction to the chemo. Uh, last week's chemo ended on Wednesday. Sometimes that stays with me through Thursday and Friday. I feel pretty good today. We'll see. I, I still have issues. I still get down mentally. And physically, I have trouble eating and keeping food in. So, um, What a battle. I'll be, I'll be really happy when that last chemo day, which is January 10th when they take the pump out, we will be, too, just in time for uh, a little Super Bowl run a few weeks later. But I know you must be feeling pretty good because you, you took the risk of eating some uh, food made here at the NFL. By the, by the way. Sunday night. I haven't seen much of that from Wes here. Last week's wild boar ragu was besmirched in an unfair manner. <laughs> oh, you liked it, huh? Not only was it delicious, but it's one of the few things that my esophagus can really handle because it was nice Ooh. and soft and easy to eat. <laughs> See, Big ups to wild boar. I never looked at it from that perspective. Do it, <laughs> wild boar. Well, let's save it for the wild boar podcast. Let's get to the game starting, of course, with the AFC showdown of the season in Pittsburgh. Here he goes. Third down play. Fakes the spike. Still has it. Now fires, and it's intercepted. It's intercepted to save the game by Harmon, and the Patriots are going to win it. Absolutely amazing. Jim Nance, CBS, with the call. We don't have the Zolak call because his head exploded. <laughs> there you go. Going to get that. Anyway, after the <laughs> dreaded catch rule wiped away a deserved Steelers touchdown, Ben Roethlisberger threw a game-deciding interception in the final seconds, and the Patriots held on for a huge 27-24 win at Heinz Field with the win. The Patriots take over the number one seed in the AFC. The Steelers, meanwhile, yeah, play that. The Steelers, meanwhile, will finish the regular season without Antonio Brown, who left this game in the first half after sustaining a partially torn calf muscle, Rap Sheet reports. Yes, Greg, the throne of ease is alive and well. Bully for you. When the Patriots took the lead yes. late in the fourth quarter, Dan, Dan, you were you were disconsolate. I don't know if I've ever seen you as down as in a Jets game. Well, I'm sick of this Greg. And I wrote I wrote down some quotes from you and they were they were basically said like this is so predictable. Anyone watching sports knows exactly how this was going to happen. Yeah. And then Juju Smith-Schuster busts open down the sideline, makes the sort of play that you would expect Antonio Brown to make before all of this happens. And you, after it was all over, we talked a little bit about it, and, and you say the Patriots are lucky, that they're luckier than any franchise ever. And I get that from from another perspective watching their team. But luck is created by Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski going down the field and making some high-level plays that only two of the greatest players in NFL history could set up. Luck is made on that catch roll after that happens by Ben Roethlisberger making a terrible decision, throwing the ball over the middle, Eric Rowe being heads up and tapping the ball, a decision that Tom Brady would never, ever make. So while they were lucky, the key players in the game decided it. They set themselves up to get they're lucky not, there. They're not all lucky. I just want to make right. that very clear. No, I know, Patriots I know. are great, and they're also fortunate through the years. Yes, the Ben Roethlisberger throwing the pass. They are fortunate that th that would have happened, just like in Seattle in the Super Bowl. They were fortunate they called a pass play instead of uh, giving it to Marshawn Lynch, just as they were fortunate on the tuck play. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. They were say, prepared for it, too. They had three or four guys yes. in coverage. They said they practiced that fake 
uh, spike play. And it appears that the Steelers don't practice it too well because Ben Roethlisberger disagreed with Mike Tomlin's take of how that play even instructed. He said it wasn't a fake spike play, that the he wanted to just spike the ball to set mm. up one more play, which makes no sense. Ben Roethlisberger is just talking out of his ass here because it was third down. A spike would have meant a field goal. And he did do a fake spike, and no one else on the Steelers moved a muscle except for Eli Rogers, and three Patriots followed him, and they made the play, and it's another crazy way to win a game. Yeah, it's certainly not the first time we've seen the Patriots maintain their composure and another team act confused with the game on the line. And I think the catch rule ongoing shenanigans really overshadowed. I only saw the last part of the fourth quarter, Rob Gronkowski personally take control of a football game. Right. He couldn't be covered in this game. That was amazing performance. He's the best tight end I've ever seen, and I don't think it's close. This was a top three Gronk performance. Yep. And, and it, forget the numbers. Who cares what the, the box score was? It, the Not way bad. he Nine absolutely six, dominated six this game. And I don't know about the luck thing, but the fact that this was the game of all games where Antonio Brown, who is coming off a month that, for me, cemented him as my MVP, to lose him early. Because when is, when is Brown sh- when has he been at his best? It's been in the fourth quarter when the Steelers have to climb out of some sort of dark corner, and you rely on him. Dan, you mentioned there was a third down pass that earlier in the game. It would have been Brown sealing this victory, and you don't have, have him on the field. When they had, an eight, they had a five-point lead late in the four, fourth quarter, third down and manageable, and it was Antonio Brown territory, just like, I should add, on the fake, doomed fake spike, Antonio Brown could have been in the middle of that play, too, because he's always in the middle of game-deciding plays like that. And, Wes, you're absolutely right. They kept their composure, um, and, and, the, and the Pats do deserve credit. But it's just wild. Why, if you hate the Patriots, if you're sick of the Patriots, that they Jesse James scores and the absurd ruling calls it back, and then an interception, all the things that had to come together. In fact, let's hear what maybe the NFL will come to its senses, and Al Riveron, the SVP of officiating, will announce to everyone, we get your frustration. It marred an otherwise great game. Let's see if Al actually does do that. Let's listen in. <laughs> that would be surprising. Roethlisberger <laughs> completes a pass to James, and James is going to the ground as he reaches the goal line. And that's the key here. He is going to the ground. By rule, to complete the process of the catch, he must survive the ground. And by that, we mean he must maintain control of the football. As we see here, he does put the ball over the goal line extended. Once he gets there, he loses control of the football, and then the ball hits the ground. We can see here the ball touches the ground. So therefore, two things occur. He loses control of the football, and the ball touches the ground prior to him regaining control. Therefore, the ruling on the field of a touchdown was changed to an incomplete pass. Wes, why is that still bad? Why is it failing the common sense test? It's, it's the most broken rule in sports. It's the most confusing rule in sports. By the letter of the rule, I knew that was not a touchdown, and I wondered why it was taking Romo I so long to acknowledge that it wasn't a touchdown. Which added to the confusion and speaks to it, too, that no one knows the rule. Right. On every other patch of grass in the world, that's a catch because he physically caught the ball. That, that's why it's a catch. And it's, it fails the common sense test. It fails the confusion test. To me, it fails the competitive integrity test. And I think the NFL suffers for it as a product. Well, the, the, the thing I don't get is the control part, if we really want to dive into it. Because he says that Tony Carrente, the referee, said in a pool report after the game that James lost comp- 
complete control of the football. And I don't see how watching that play you can make the decision that he lost complete control of the football. Now, all of these rules were made and control it to, to the ground and everything. In a time when there wasn't eight different HD cameras and there wasn't these slow motion frame by frame replays, and I thought maybe bringing the replay review into the league office in New York would help to clarify things, but I don't think it has. If anything, it's like they are going by the letter of the rule even more, and I think fans and broadcasters and us, we're even more confused. So it remains a problem, but I don't know what the solution is. We can say change the catch rule, but I don't know. Change it to it, what? Change it to what it was before the Calvin Johnson opened the can of worms. Why not two feet in control? Why does it have to be so convoluted? Right, because it does follow – that followed what their current rule is. It's not that it's it's convoluted and confused with that. The whole thing is convoluted to begin with. And I think you have to spend the offseason and say this is the, one of the biggest issues facing the NFL. It couldn't have happened at a more high-octane point than it did today, but it's going to happen again in the playoffs as it has in the past. This, this ruling didn't bother me nearly as much as the one in the Carolina-Green Bay game, which was even more confusing. And The bird catch. Yes, the Demir bird we'll catch. Yeah. And Dean Blandino early in the year on Zach Miller's TD that was overturned, outrageously Very overturned, sick. said, look, the idea is not to get too technical. Don't analyze it to the nth degree. And this is what Riveron and the point you're making, that the league office, they're analyzing it to the nth degree. There's, right. there's not as much hesitation to have irrefutable evidence like it used to be. And you cannot now – the game itself, the outcome, the Steelers are now 11-3. and three. They dropped to the two seed uh, with the Jaguars right behind a 10-4, and four, and they have two very winnable games left. Even without Antonio Brown, they could get to 13-3. and three. But we don't know if Antonio Brown does come back, and Rapsheet says they are hopeful he'll be ready for the playoffs, if he'll be even near 100%. A torn calf muscle does not sound like a good situation. And if they do get to face the Patriots again, it will be in New England, most likely, and all this points in a very bad direction for Pittsburgh season. It could have, in a lot of ways, it could have ended today. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched this game at fairly calm as a Patriots fan because, to me, I've seen so many big games, and the important one is the next one, that this one didn't really – I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter that much. I think home field is – is important, but it's not that important. There's a reason why, you know, if if you're you know, wagering on it, that it, it's worth three points. That's three points. It's not worth. It's not necessarily the end of the world. I think the pay, the Steelers, especially with Antonio Brown, are a great team, and they looked like the better team for much of this game, and they did find a way to blow it. But the, to me, these are two that, that's really fine good, for New but, England. But flawed team. It mattered to Pittsburgh. Yeah. If you're Pittsburgh and you're Mike Tomlin, who cannot get over the Patriots, that entire team, they needed to win this. They need to get home field. You can say it doesn't matter for New England because New England can win anywhere. The Pittsburgh Steelers, this is their season on the line. Mike Tomlin's chance to make a statement win. With or without Antonio Brown, it didn't happen. How much confidence would they take into January? It would have changed the entire season. That's big. You could tell the burgeoning confidence the Steelers had that people like Terry Bradshaw was guaranteeing a victory. On Fox today, and it seemed like everybody had that confidence. Now you're going to go into New England with Antonio Brown playing on a partially torn calf muscle. Your your confidence is not going to be as high. All right, and, and and I just wanted to point out we've talked a lot about the MVP race, and I think that was Roth, that was Brady's MVP moment. And as much as what happened with Smith Schuster's play afterwards and everything that came in a crazy comeback, the reality was they were down two scores in this game with five minutes to go. 
down eight points, rather, uh, with five minutes to go. They get a field goal. The defense gets a three and out. And that's why, again, it's not all all luck. The, The defense had to make a play there. And then Brady has kind of a classic Brady and Gronk drive. And with everything else that happened in Brown getting hurt today, I think he kind of... Yeah, we're losing MVP candidates literally on a weekly basis at this point in in December. Unless you want to make... And we're going to talk about Todd Gurley in a second. Unless you want to make a case for Gurley, maybe. That injuries are now wiped out Brown, wiped out Carson Wentz, wiped out Deshaun Watson. Tom Brady, to his credit, is the last man standing, and he'll probably win it. We'll see, though. And having one of the best seasons of his career. Okay. We yes, career. we know that he's having a great season, Greg. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm that happy gets for you. Through. We're all happy that, for that you. That just gets like thrown out. Like no, okay, we are, I mean, the heat sitting downstairs listening to no, Greg and Dan much. all day long. I just no, there wasn't much. Everyone back in observing. this room and everyone listening to this podcast is aware that Tom Brady is having a great year. Okay, that's good. Okay, can. Can I go? <laughs> Let's go. Let's check in on the team of ATL. Goff under center. He turns left shoulder, gives to Gurley. Huge hole left side midfield. Gurley sprinting 40. Gurley first down. Gurley 20-10 and touchdown. Todd Gurley on third down and 20 with a house call. And before Ooh. the half, this game is all but finished. Mm-mm. JB Long, KSPN with a great call there. Uh, they'll remember it as the Seattle Massacre. Maybe they will. I don't know. It was 13 nothing after a quarter. 34 zip at the half. The game ended 42 to 7 in favor of the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, the team of ATL who delivered a thumping that makes you wonder if the Seahawks as we known them are gone forever. The Rams, led by surging MVP candidate Todd Gurley are now 12 and 3. With the NFC West and a playoff by, by locked in their sights west, this was a very good day for the team of ATL. It was a statement game with shades of a changing of the guard game. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Changing and of the guard game. Like that. It's not every year that you see a comprehensive dismantling in every phase of the game in one half of football like the Rams did to the Seahawks. Going up 34 to nothing, their largest first half margin on the road in franchise history and the second largest first half deficit at home the Seahawks have ever had. It was absolute pummeling. Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley having their way Mm. and the defensive and offensive lines of the Rams controlling the game. You know what's crazy? It could have been 43-0 or 45-0 in the first half. Goff threw an interception in the red zone in the first half. Cooper Cup dropped a pass right near the goal line. That's how dominant and balanced this team has been. And we've talked about how they're good running, passing, defense, and special teams. They were able to win this game in a laugher in a game that Jared Goff only had to throw it 21 times for 120 yards. In 2017, you're blowing teams out throwing for 120 yards. They beat you in so many ways. And and Wes, your write-up was great because it talked about the fact that this team houses a Coach of the Year candidate, a potential MVP candidate, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, an All-Pro in your kicker. And I mean, it it doesn't end from there. And talking about a scenery-changing NFC West victory, it reminds me of a game back in 2012 that I watched at the good old Irish Times when Seattle thumped Jim Harbaugh's Niners, 42-13, to 13, and there was this Niners fan in a little nice buttoned-up red shirt who was freaking <laughs> out by the fourth quarter because he had no idea what was coming at him. Now it's happening to the Seahawks. Mm. I think we did pretty good with the team of ATL this year. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear any do do better about, about curses. Give me a break. This is one of the be- best wins in uh, team of ATL yeah. history. And Greg, Greg, I believe you picked the team of ATL this week? That's right. Locked it up. Oh, yeah, you locked it up. And... 
there were thousands of people streaming out of the clink in the third quarter of this game. There was some video of it. I mean, it was something. And when we talked about this game on Thursday, I thought the Seahawks were going to win it because I thought even down bodies that they had something in the tank in this type of spot. But this did feel like a changing of the guard where the, those days are now definitively over, it feels like. I, I don't think we're ever going to see the Seahawks like they hmm. used to be. I, I don't know if I remember a time when a running back had 100 more yards than the other team at the half. Gurley's been sensational, and he's getting better every week. He's been the best running back. He hasn't got as much pub as people like Alvin Kamara this year, but he's been the best running back in the NFL. He had 180 yards and four touchdowns, and he left in the middle of the third quarter, hmm. never to return because the game was already out of hand. <laughs> and Aaron Donald had three sacks, four hits, two tackles for loss, a forced fumble, all in two and a half quarters. I think he's the best defensive player in the league. So he was my Russell Wilson called him that going into this. Game. He he was my default choice for defensive player of the year through three quarters. And now I think this type of performance in piling up some of those sacks and stats and it being in a big game. Now I think people are going to vote for him. Wait, now I think you had a Saints player as defensive player of the year about he was 10 number days two. Ago. He was okay. number two in the in the four and I you know I ranked him or whatever. You're lucky because we can't keep track of all your predictions, so we have no idea if they're <laughs> correct or not. That one's not so much a prediction as Bobby Wagner after the game. You mentioned Dan possibly you know the end of this Seahawks dynasty. I think. You know, if they all get healthy and back, look, they're missing four or five good starters. They can be very competitive next year. But you are seeing some of the things that happen uh, late in these runs. After the game, Bobby Wagner sent out a tweet, which was quickly deleted. E, keep my name out your mouth. Stop being jealous of other people's success. I still hope you keep balling, bro. To Earl Thomas. That in response to? And that was in response to uh, Earl Thomas's opinion that he should not have played with his injured hamstring. Oh, oh boy. Lost. He tried I to fight through it. I don't think Bobby Wagner's hamstring was the difference in the game. <laughs> well, Greg, the Seahawks are now 8-6, and six, so it's time to fire up the old uh, Greg Rosenthal tabulator. Any pass for them if they close out, or is it over? Greg Rosenthal playoff calculator now online. They still have a good chance of making the playoffs. A good if chance. If they win their two games. I don't know if they're going to win their two games. Uh, they they play the Cowboys and the Cardinals. And, they, yeah, they need help. They're, they're going to need the Falcons to lose uh, a game or two. Uh, two games, don't, probably. Yeah, do, doesn't part of that good chance include the Buccaneers Right, an un- unlikely upset over the Falcons. I think that they'll need the Falcons to lose two games. The Falcons, optimistic robot. The Falcons play the <laughs> Saints and the Panthers. I mean, I'm just saying. You said if they win their two games, do they have Falcons a chance? Play they, have the a, Buc- they have a chance. Falcons play the Bucks tomorrow night. Yeah, and a very they- undermanned Bucks team without Gerald McCoy and Levante Davis. They've another finished. sensational Monday night tilt. They finished with the Saints and the Panthers, so that I think if you're a Seahawks fan, gives you a little bit of hope. But I don't know. This is kind of a dead dead team right now. All right, so there you go. The team of ATL in a good place. Seahawks, not so much. Let's move on. There's a low snap. Rodgers back. Blitz coming. Throws on the slant. Right side. Cut by Allison. He's hit the ball. Came out. There's a fight for it. It looks like Carolina is on top of it. The officials coming in to take a look. It's Panthers football. Mm, Mick Mixon, WBT with the call. Geronimo Allison's turnover wiped away any chance of Aaron Rodgers' magic, and the Panthers held on for a 31-24 win over the Packers in Charlotte. Uh, Cam Newton threw for 242 yards and four touchdowns in the game, which we'll get to in a second. Let's start, though, with the huge news off the field. Panthers founding owner Jerry Richardson announced Sunday night that he will be putting the team up for sale. 
This development comes as the NFL takes over the investigation into allegations of workplace misconduct made against Richardson. Uh, this that a report that the NFL was taking over came from Ian Rappaport on Sunday morning. Uh, so Richardson, who's been one of the titans in ownership in the NFL since he came into the league, uh, abruptly making this announcement, and um, it is quite the distraction for a Panthers team that is finding its footing as the season uh, enters its latest stage. It's stunning. This happened. The news that the team was investigating Richardson, which was interesting in itself because he owns the team, and so that you know he's the one hiring the lawyers paying the lawyers that are investigating him came out Friday afternoon, Los Angeles time. And we're talking now Sunday afternoon and he's selling the team. That is a quick process, well, which we've seen play out in all walks of right. life. I think it's stunning country. in 2013 or 2014. It's not stunning in December, 2017 that you can't have this hanging over the team throughout the off season. And whoever knows how else long they, there's no tolerance. For I this suppose thing. what makes it a little bit, and you're dead on in your point, Mark, but what makes it a little more surprising for me is Richardson sitting in the owner's box on Sunday. Uh, we see the Fox cameras flash to the box, and there's Richardson sitting there not 10 minutes after um, we learned that a report had surfaced involving Richardson. And it's a situation where it's so sudden, you'd never see this kind of thing, but it does tell you a lot of what's happening in the world right now and how it, it came into the NFL now as well. Well, I think one thing we're seeing is that people in positions of power and influence uh, will, be, will have to answer for taking advantage of that position. And, and you, you raise an interesting point, you know, moving to the football side of things, that this, is, this story isn't going away. And the Panthers... Uh, because of today's result and how well they've played this season, they're not going away either. So this is going to be something that the organization has to deal with uh, continuously the next few weeks. Yeah, I was saying to Mark, actually, after the game, which was a huge win for the Panthers, you know, Aaron Rodgers and all the buzz around him leading the Packers uh, back to January gets wiped away, essentially, by uh, through another great Carolina performance. But after this game, this great effort by the Panthers, can you even imagine what was going on in that locker room? How many questions were actually about the game? I'm sure there were because that's part of the the info gathering of reporters, but that's not the story around it, the Panthers. It's overshadowed, but it's an unprecedented action in an unprecedented time in our country. And uh, the people aren't going to have to ask the Panthers, hey, what are you going to do about it? That's They closed that case down quickly, and I think that handled that well. When right. those players walk out of the locker room and out of the stadium, they walk past a statue of Jerry Richardson. Yeah. Well, for now. Yeah. It's not simple. I mean, it it, it is. Statues can be taken down. We've seen that too. Um, now for toward the game. So, Wes, we'll start with you on this. Aaron Rodgers back on the field. Um, it was a, a lot. A lot of people expected that to be a magic elixir, but he proved to be human because Aaron Rodgers was a little rusty in his return, wasn't he? Yeah, you saw a little bit of everything from Aaron Rodgers today. If you were looking for. Uh, reason to believe that he wouldn't change his playing style, you found that. He scrambled. He showed no reluctance whatsoever to scramble, put his body in jeopardy, took hits on that shoulder, uh, made one of his trademark Sandlot-style plays to Randall Cobb for a touchdown, uh, but also the arm strength or the decision-making, probably a little bit of both, was rusty. Um, all three of his interceptions were underthrown, and all three of those plays would have been huge plays had the ball been on target. 
So I think that was definitely a difference in this game. And for all that being said, he was driving for the tying or even if they wanted to go for a two-point conversion, potentially right. winning score late in the game, only to see Geronimo Allison fumble the ball in Panthers territory. Well, Bad job, felt, Geronimo. It Bad felt job. to me watching that that, oh, yeah, you know, he struggled, but this is exactly <laughs> what I would have expected. I know that, Dan, you expect New England games to end a certain way, and I totally am with you on that, but I thought this is the perfect Aaron Rodgers return for all his flaws in this game. He's going to find a way to tie this thing up. Green Bay is going to keep on rolling, but then suddenly the whole Aaron Rodgers narrative got violently short-circuited, and they're out of our life for the most part. It's You're happy about that, too. No, I'm not that happy You're not an Aaron Rodgers I, guy. No, 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 I'm not, not a, a Packers guy. I'm not a Packers guy, but at the same time, I like the idea of having, for all the people that we've lost, the best teams possible in the playoffs. Well, we also kind of lose Aaron Rodgers now because it's possible you would think that they could decide to shut him down because he even almost said, certainly Rodgers said really? himself he's not a hundred percent. If the Falcons beat the Bucks, the Packers are mathematically eliminated. And you have no reason to play Rodgers if the Falcons win that game tomorrow night. And Cam Newton um, threw four touchdown passes, no interceptions, protected the ball. Christian McCaffrey. His really, um, as the season has progressed, he doesn't put up monster stats, but he is a big part of their game plan every week. And he had over, I think, 140 yards in total offense and another touchdown. Greg Olson, who's kind of moving like my dad now yes, later in his softball career, where he's got a little hitch in his giddy up, but he could still get the job done. Like Keith was still. Keith's still getting into the oh, show. See, he's not yeah, done. Keith was driving <laughs> the ball up the gap as he got into his 50s even, but he didn't move like he used to. Greg Olson not moving like he used to, but he's crafty. Nine for 116 in a touch. Uh, in this game, and that's a big positive sign. Wes, as someone that's enjoyed the Panthers over the years, this team's 10-4. and four. Do you think they could be a team we'd be covering in, in Minneapolis? They need home field advantage, and I think that Dave Shula deserves credit for his play calling. Uh, they are now definitely a run-first team today. The Packers, like any other team in the league, don't have anyone who can cover Christian McCaffrey one-on-one as a receiver, and they got burned by that. Their own coverage bust led to the Greg Olson production. Um, this is a team I don't trust their passing game at all because Cam Newton from week to week is not a consistent passer. And their their running game is really clicking on, on most cylinders right now. So And their defense is, is a top five or six defense too. You have the Bucks and the Falcons to close it out. 12-4, and four, not impossible. Uh, let's check in with another NFC South juggernaut. Backs offset. Ingram is the running back. Ingram gets Jugger the ball right side, and there he goes. Inside the 35 30, 25 20, 15 10, 5 to the goal line. That's a touchdown. Touchdown, Saints. <laughs> That's Jim Henderson and Deuce McAllister, WWL. I believe McAllister is telling him slide, slide, because the game was kind of decided at that point. Uh, but whatever. Mark Ingram ran for two touchdowns and gained uh, over 150 yards uh, in total offense, including that late 50-yard touchdown run. The Saints um, commit three turnovers, uh, but still take care of the Jets, 31 to 19. Never mind the final score. Uh, this was kind of a grinded-out win for the Saints, which I think surprised a lot of people because if you if you talk desert people. Uh, this game featured one of the biggest underdogs of the season in the Jets, uh, but they hung around and, and it, they hung around because mostly uh, New Orleans was sloppy with the ball. They had the three turnovers, including two when they were kind of marching deep into Jets territory. Uh, unfortunately for the Jets, it is now Bryce Petty and not Josh McCown at quarterback. So and after each of those turnovers, um, uh, the Jets were unable to uh, turn that around and make them make the Saints really pay for it. Uh, but the Saints got the win they needed. Uh, no lollipops will be handed out. 
I think, at the Complex on Monday because it wasn't their best game. Uh, but when you're facing a Bryce Petty team with Mo Wilkerson out of the game because he still can't get to a meeting on time, uh, and if you're Todd Bowles, he should be sitting for the rest of the season, in my opinion, um, the Saints did enough to get the win. Mark Ingram, by the way, that is now over 1,000 yards for the second straight season. The bro's a star. Saints also have this identical schedule flip-flop to the Panthers with the Falcons and Bucks next. So this division kind of far from over. Yeah, it. You know, we're taping this Sunday night. Assuming the, the Falcons do win on Monday night, I mean, this is still a, a three-team race where it it's getting very unlikely that any of the teams could get a bye, but the, any of these teams could be anywhere from – you know, the three seed to, if you're the Falcons, out of the playoffs entirely. Um, Michael Thomas, it was kind of emblematic of the performance for the Saints, had two touchdowns wiped away uh, by inches upon review, uh, scored later to put the game away. One of them involved getting one foot down, and then the second foot, speaking of catch rules and things that drive me crazy, got his heel down in the end zone, and then his front of his foot stepped on the white line and that was overturned as an incomplete pass. We saw on Saturday, and I'm blanking, I think it was the Lions, um, and maybe you guys could help me out if you remember, a play where a receiver caught a ball and his fingers touched down inbounds and then hit the palm of his hands landed on the white, but that stayed a touchdown. There were a lot of confusing calls <laughs> like that, yeah. where like a finger equals a toe or doesn't equal a toe. Yeah, one butt cheek in and one butt cheek out in the Panthers game. Yeah, we, we have some buttocks stuff going on, too, where, like Wes said, one, one ass cheek's in, one's out. It's a touchdown. You know, it's, it's very confusing. You know what's crazy? is like we, are, we sit in a newsroom where you can suddenly like jack up the volume. Everyone can sit around and hear everything that's happening. A lot of these people... Great football fans watch these games in sports bars where only one game gets sound, and you're watching replays and having no idea of the drama behind the scenes. Even more maddening. you got to change all this stuff. Uh, Saints lost uh, Larry Warford in this game. They have not had Andrews Pete on the field. Those are really their two best run blockers and and part of the reason that they're such a good running team. So that's something to keep an eye on. And Cam Jordan, who is trying to get a triple-double, First guy in a little while to have 10 pass breakups, 10 sacks, 10 tackles for loss. He did it with four pass breakups today. Wow. Wow. Nice stat there, Greg. (laughs) Uh, And lastly, Todd Bowles announced Bryce Petty will start next week as well. And I have to wonder, how bad is Christian Hackenberg? I mean, just let us see how bad he is. I'm just excited. I want to see the curiosity at this point. It's one of the worst second round picks of modern times. For sure. And it is, it really is. It's kind of like a. Like the freak show on the boardwalk in Venice, which is shuttered now. But uh, like Christian Hackenberg is now at that level in terms of an Shoot NFL. the freak. He's the bearded lady. He's the bearded lady of the NFL uh, quarterback room. Let's move on. Five claps by Rivers. He fades back on fourth down near midfield. A dangerous lob right side intercepted. Backpedaling and falling onto his back. Ron Parker adds a pick to his fumble recovery. Rivers turned over again. Mm. Let's move to Saturday night and Mitch Holdis of KCFX with the call. Philip Rivers threw three interceptions. Uh, Kareem Hunt ran for a buck fifty-five and a touch, and the Chiefs beat up on the sloppy Los Angeles Chargers, a thirty to thirteen win for the Chiefs, a loss for the old Zeuser, who uh, you know almost like a sh- act of. I wanted to get in on the fun. Everybody else was excited about the Chargers. So, all right, let's do this. Let's have some fun. And it's like, as I'm watching that game, I'm like, 
Why did I do this? I already have the Jets who always come up small when just when you think they they're turning the corner. I am not getting involved with the Chargers who've been doing this for 50 years. You're also the person that had been t- warning us correctly for weeks that the other side of the Chargers was due to come home to roost here. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. Whatever, Wes, uh, this was not the Chargers team that got everyone excited over the last month. Almost every element that contributed to their winning streak came back to haunt them in this game. Injuries were a big factor, especially in the second half. Special teams play was a factor. Poor tackling was a huge factor. And the hottest quarterback in the game went cold and threw three second-half interceptions. Uh, that makes six, inter- six of his ten inter- interceptions this year came against the Chiefs. And Keenan Allen means probably as almost as much to the Chargers as Antonio Brown means to the Steelers. Last month, for sure. And that I don't know what his injury status is going to be moving forward, but they are not out of the AFC wildcard race at all mathematically, but if they don't have Keenan Allen, they're not the same team. I want to say, how dare you, Chargers, for doing this to us? But at the same time... <laughs> I think this is the kind of game that gets Matt Nagy a head coaching job. I mean, I give Andy Reid credit because I'm sure there's a lot of pride attached to this to hand over play calling duties, what, two or three weeks ago. It reignited for whatever reason. We don't know how, how these things suddenly work. Maybe it helped to take this off Reid's plate with whatever else he's doing. But the offense is back. And of all things, the fact that the defense, thanks to turnovers, hold the Chargers to 13 points. An offense looked as hot as any in the league a stunning result. Well, it's easy to forget in this game. They were the Chargers were winning the game right. late 13, in the third 10. quarter. It, it was a close game, and I I think the the edge in head coaching is why the Chiefs are going to be the AFC West champions. I know he gave the play calling over to Nagy. It's his offense. I'm sure he has a lot of input even during the game. He certainly has a lot of input. What if Nagy's it, like, "I'm not listening to you"? <laughs> no, no, no. You're out. He, he certainly has a lot of input into the game plan, and they outcoached the Chargers. They came out with great play calls, and it was definitely Andy Reid who's choosing to go for it on fourth and three on that first drive with really set a tone of aggressiveness, and they picked it up, and they scored. That's future Colts coach Matt Nagy. Mm. Or future Browns coach because <laughs> Everyone Hugh Jackson winds up in Cincinnati, baby. What do we know about Matt Nagy? I know, more about, Reed, I know more about Charles Nagy than Matt Nagy. Andy so. Reid called him the best head coaching prospect he's ever had. That includes Doug Peterson, who's a coach of the year candidate well, this year. Andy Reid's coached about half I of I love Matt Nagy. Andy Reid <laughs> Get ahead of that. is the second most important coaching figure of the last 20 years behind Bill Belichick. Not only is he a top five coach, he's had all sorts of coaches go through his staff and go on to bigger and better things, including a lot of good ones. Some bad ones, some good ones. Embarrassing that you missed Al Groh. <laughs> so, the, three, probably. The Chiefs looked like the September and Did you hear my Al Groh joke, Wes? Yeah, big time. I missed it. Yeah. Wait, run it by me again. Scanning right, right he was, over it. He was number three on the influential coaching <laughs> list at the last two. He's on the Parcells tree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the Chiefs look like the September and early October Chiefs for two straight weeks now. And offensively, it's easy for me to believe they're back. The running game is certainly back. The offensive line, Kareem Hunt looks good. Defensively, I think it remains to be seen how much of this is home field advantage. Mm. And the Peters and Houston were awesome, though. They have superstar players who occasionally in a big game like this can just win it on your own, and Marcus Peters and Justin Houston were dominant in this And game. I think the football cognoscenti, which includes us, uh, you know, deserve you know, 
Sorry, sorry, Chiefs. We counted you out a couple weeks ago. Oh, totally. They, they're okay now. They, I just, they, they're looking I good. I gave especially. them credit right before they're losing or right into their losing streak, and then they lost, so screw them. <laughs> it's a week-to-week proposition. Right. I watched I watched the pick segment this morning. My ch- my <laughs> children requested it because they, they like what they're like, let's watch the daddy show. And it's been a few weeks. I showed them that the daddy win, show. The win-loser draw segment that we did, Pictionary, yeah. a few weeks back. And all four of us like confidently picked the Raiders <laughs> to be. Half our rating share coming from the Rosenthal house. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're down. We're down. I heard they cut us now to just a ten-minute sliver on network. Yes, down from four airings to two. Although it's ten minutes. In the NFL's defense, I thought about four a.m. I thought about it on Saturday as I was watching, you know, NFL games all day on NFL Network, and thought, well, I guess that makes sense that they went with Bears, Lions, and Chargers Chiefs over NFL Pick'em. Well, that's a sensible decision. Maybe right. Maybe Chargers. Chiefs. I don't know. Uh, um, and speaking of Chargers, going to Charger. Sorry, Chargers fans. They got your hopes up again. Let's move on. Third and six from his own 23. Play clock to one. They get it off. Dalton looks left. Intercepted. And it's intercepted. Eric Kendrick's near side. 20-15-10. Touchdown. Hello. Eric Kendrick's with a 30-yard pick six. 13-0. Vikings. He does the zero thing. Paul Allen and Pete Bursich of KFXN with the call. Yes, Eric Hendricks came up with a pick six. Case Keenum delivered another professional, productive game. And the Minnesota Vikings clinched the NFC North after a 34-7 win over the Bengals, who look every bit like a team that's playing out the string with a head coach already half out the door. We'll get to the Marvis Lewis Marvin Lewis situation in a moment, but let's start with the Vikings, who remain a very real contender for the NFC's number one seed, Mark. You know, when we cover these games on Sunday, you have a primary game and then you have a secondary game to bring it to the podcast that you keep an eye on. Pull and back that curtain. Well, Sassler. if it's a really exciting game, you might even flip TVs and put the other game on the on the computer. And Sometimes. you know, right? you've got like a four four track. Got a whole lot thing going on now. Quad box six with about less than six minutes to go in the first quarter when Kendricks had that pick six. Yeah, making it fourteen nothing. I didn't really observe this game again. I will go back and track it here and there. The Vikings romped over Cincinnati in every possible way. And the Bengals with 42 total yards in the first half, the third fewest in the Marvin Lewis era. And it is not deceiving. This team, over the la- since that loss to the Steelers, has looked as bad as they got wiped the out by quarters. the Bears. They, they are asleep. We forked them a month plus ago. We should have forked them on September 10th. This team never came to play this season. This is an embarrassing loss. It is time to completely reorg this thing from top to bottom, and it starts with Andy Dalton and a bunch of other players. you got to redo this thing, hit the reset button, and don't look back. And yet, they were in very good playoff position at halftime of that Monday night game, which really it makes it so much more stark how they've been the worst team in football for the last they don't have the D- 10 quarters. That's fine, and that, that happened, I think, because of what happened with Ryan Shazier, and you caught a Steelers team that was stunned by earth events, not football events. And then Pittsburgh had the wherewithal to collect themselves at halftime and hammer a hapless Bengals team in the second half, and nothing's changed. The Bengals revealed who they are since. I just, we should do a whole podcast where Mark just talks about AFC North teams he hates. It's... <laughs> It's very confusing. Four, maybe three and a half to four. Yeah, the, the, the Bengals at least are giving Mark joy. So they've, they've got that. It's very confusing to me that there are multiple reports come out you know, from Rap Sheet, from ESPN, that Marvin Lewis is leaving at the end of the season. Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> including 
one where Ian talks about that. speaking with Marvin Lewis. Okay, that's part of his report. Solid source. Going after the game ends, Don't Marvin Lewis. Source that. After the game ends, Marvin Lewis says no, he hasn't made any decision about his future. That's, what? <laughs> that's Sean Payton's move. What's going? I know, but this one, this time, it's really it's official. His contract's over. It's been an interesting era. This probably isn't the podcast to talk about it. I mean, he he did do a lot of good things. He's well over five hundred as the coach of the of the Bengals. He raised the Titanic. Years. Right. Solomon Wilcox told Dan. Yeah, once upon a time on a feature I can no longer talk yeah, about. Their coaches, and since Paul Brown died in nineteen ninety or ninety one, I believe. Their coaches outside of Marvin Lewis have a 270 winning percentage. Right. That's like Hugh Jackson bad. And, but the, and things always end badly. And this is this is kind of a typical bad ending. And the Vikings deserve a lot of credit. Not that we're surprised at this point. They're so consistent for playing their type of game and just hammering them. and, and cl- Totally complete dominant showing. Yeah. I mean, they are going to get a bye. They are still in the mix for a number one seed. They haven't officially clinched the bye. And it's Close. it's funny you just cited as an example of badness Hugh Jackson. He is being connected as a potential Marvin Lewis replacement. Uh, so that that is all. That's a soap opera, oh. a musical chair soap opera. That will be a fun, entertaining, potentially farcical thing to. Uh, the state of Ohio is like we are not really interested in competing for Super Bowls between we, the two. The, of the Bengals we'll actually entertain you though. The Bengals actually giving up compensation for Hugh Jackson is such would a be typical the most, Bengals. Would be the most Bengal yeah. thing ever. The the, we should mention Teddy Bridgewater uh, played football in this game. He threw an interception. What an embarrassment. No. Stop. Oh. Deflected oh. off the guy's hands. Okay. You know. and he got a ridiculously loud ovation. And the uh, Vikings, our uh, team of ATL from last year, win the NFC North. They, have, they don't have a lot of NFC North titles over the last 15 years. I know they had one a couple years ago, but that, that's an achievement. Did you guys see – I just I don't know why I thought of this, but D'Angelo Williams' rant at the Good Morning Football people that they cannot – um, uh, Brandt, Kyle Brandt, and our boy Schrago in particular cannot have real football analysis because they never played the game. I mean, at best, unnecessary. Do well, you think? Well, except Kyle Brandt did play college football. Right, he played that's Princeton. That's the point. Do you think, um, knowing that D'Angelo Williams likes our podcast? No. No, I'm sure he he sees us as for you know maybe what one or two of us played Pop Warner. Roughly a decade or two, uh, you know, ago. Sure, I'm sure there's a lot of respect. I don't think he knows we exist, personally, or the podcast itself exists. But I, you know, I'd like to see him uh, compare the analysis of people who didn't play football with the analysis of people who did play football. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty grim, actually. <laughs> Plug in, D'Angelo. Um, let's uh, let's move on. Yelled in the running back is the shotgun. He dropped the throw to Blake. Late looks, looks, yeah, fires, Ray Lewis. by Jadon Nickens into the end zone. Uh, Touchdown. How many does this guy plan on scoring? Touchdown, Jacksonville. <laughs> he scored two. He plan- Well, he planned to score. He planned on more. He scored two. Frank Frangie, WJXL. Frangie. Uh, the Frangie man. Frangitron. Frangitron. Uh, Frangorama. Blake Bortles threw three touchdown passes, two of which went to Jaden Mink- Mickens. How many does he plan to score? He scored two. And the Jaguars clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2007, a 45-7 wipeout of the Texans, who are limping to the finish line. We now welcome in Nick Shook, brains, body, and analysis. You know who else well, scored? He never played the game at the professional ranks. <laughs> I did not. 
That, that was also very awkward, that good morning football exchange. You know who scored two touchdowns as well on Sunday for the Jaguars? Oh. Tommy Bohannon. Oh, yeah. Jets draft pick, I believe. Fullback. Tommy Bohannon. You seen line. Tommy Bohannon lately? Hey, anybody see Tommy Bohannon? <laughs> hey, I'm not leaving here until somebody tells me where they seen Tommy Bohannon. Two carries. Yeah. Two yards. Two touchdowns. Bang. That's a but Tommy Vardell dream game. You yeah. find him in the end zone is where you find him. Touchdown, Tommy Vardell. Uh, this game was all about Blake Bortles, who I'm convinced we've been watching a body double for him for the last three years. Mm. And until the beginning of this month, plus a couple games, because he's been on fire mm. in Fuego. Mm. 21 to 29, 326 yards. That's copyrighted, by the way, in Fuego. Dan really? Patrick, I think. I think you're in trouble. Uh oh. Oh, well, I'm going to have to go talk to the suits now. Yeah. See you guys later. Uh, three touchdowns, a passer rating of 143.8. It's his third straight game where he's broken 100 by a significant wow. amount. And he looks like a quarterback. You know, we, on this podcast, I remember you, Dan, and, and I, we all agreed with you. Sure. Shook Craning a finger at Dan's face. You. Yes, sir. I want, the, I want the truth. <laughs> Greg's looking at me all skeptical. I remember you, Dan, and us agreeing that. <laughs> That's just my face. Bortles was, <laughs> was going to sink them. Yeah. But right now, he's playing. He still is. Excellent yeah, still football. <laughs> and I, you Spoiler know, alert. I, I'm fooled. Color me fooled. Because no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right because he's playing great now. He's peaking at the right time. They've won seven of eight as a team, the Jaguars. Uh, do I do I still cons- am I still am I crazy West to still think when the lights come on in January something terrible could happen? Am I am I holding on to a ghost at this point? He's made tangible improvement in many different areas, and I believe he's the NFL's highest rated passer in December. That said, wow. I maintain that this team is a front-running team, and let's see what happens when they fall behind. That's that's a totally, totally fair point. I do want to just say that I've never seen Blake Bortles drop dimes as a professional until this week, and he dropped a handful of them, almost a mm. dollar's worth. Wow. Well, pretty good for a guy that's he, not a natural thrower. Of they have a lot he, of good he, young wide receivers, too, all that are starting to kind of shine. Yes, a lot of random have. names like Jaden Mickens. Former practice squad guy, four catches, 61 yards. Keelan he Cole. Keelan Cole, seven Keelan for Cole. 186. Yeah. That's, that's wild. And, and, and you said he was Westbrook dropping dimes. He, he certainly has the last couple of weeks. I feel like people kind of have erased from their memory the 2015 season when Blake Bortles had a lot of really good games and finished the season as someone everyone believed was a we were mid- high on him. Well, middle-of-the-road starter. Now, that's not unbelievable, but that's saying he was better than about half of the league, and he had some really sensational plays. So he's always he's had that capable if he can be coached up enough and maybe just make better decisions. Oh, and by the way, his own commitment and diligence to the game. Yeah, that right. was a huge part of what people were talking about last offseason was that, is this a guy that's really committed to the game? And I think that we're seeing a different Blake Bortles from the neck up. They, they've blown out the Texans twice. They, they, they're they in the playoffs. That Steelers loss, though, really, it, I don't think it should take the wind out of their sails, but they were looking at control of the number two seed if the Steelers had held on to that. And now they're going to need some help uh, by uh, an unlikely team to, to take to, off the Steelers or the Patriots in the next two weeks where both teams will be heavy favorites both weeks. I do want to point out just, you know, in defense of the Texans, who are not a good football team at this point, that the Jaguars happened to avoid playing Deshaun Watson in both games. Mm. Uh, I do wonder. We're waiting for the Bortles playoff collapse. There aren't many good a- AFC defenses. Steelers' defense isn't great anymore. This, the Patriots' defense certainly 
isn't great. Uh, the Chiefs' defense isn't great. So the teams that we, you know, the Ravens, if they get the teams that we know that are in the playoffs, not very good defense. Put them in the Super Bowl. That's a good point. Let's move on and check in with another AFC South team. A 45-yard field goal attempt. Kick on the way. Down the middle. And gold is good at the buzzer. John Lynch and the 49ers keep it rolling. Their third straight win. What? <laughs> what did he say? John, John Lynch, Lynch and, and the, the 49ers. 49ers. I've never heard of the general manager getting the first credit. Well, the general manager got you Jimmy G, so I'm fine with it. Well, was he maybe um, on the on the screen? That was Andrew Cattle on a CBS. Well, let's maybe. That's fair. What I I thought he left he left something on the field there. Gold is golden. I would have said winning with pockets, squares, and ties. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. After Ryan Suckup drilled a 50 yard field goal to put the Titans ahead, Robbie Gold answered with a 45 yarder of his own as time ran out. Out, lifting the 49ers to a 20 to 19 win over yes the Tennessee Titans. That's three straight wins for the Niners in the Jimmy G era. Jimmy G magic, baby. The Titans, meanwhile, are suddenly in danger of being on the outside looking in when the playoffs begin. Is that a bad thing, Mark? Uh, well, I think for Titans fans who probably feel disrespected, except <laughs> out, coming out of this game, you have to say, look it, you just lost to a team that just won its fourth game of the year, but it's a completely different Niners team with Jimmy G at the helm. At what happened to the quarterbacks getting sacked 10 times a game in San Francisco? Not with Jimmy G moving around the way he does. He took the lead twice in the fourth quarter, and that last field goal, game-winning field goal march, it started with Jimmy G pristinely pegging three wide receivers, moving the, just like Brady did against Pittsburgh, moving the team in adequate time downfield in perfect position for the game-winning field goal. He threw for 381 yards. Wow. Mariota was not the problem in the second half of this game. There's nothing around Mariota. He did what he could, but they could not. This defense, this Dick LeBeau defense, could not stop Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo has less around him than Marcus Mariota does. So no excuses for the Titans. Jimmy Garoppolo has less around him than just about any quarterback in the NFL. He creates, and suddenly guys like Garrett Selleck and George Kittle and Kettle, whatever, George Kittle looks friggin' amazing. All these dudes that were complete fantasy dead weight for the entire season have come to life with Jimmy G under center. And you know what? I'm going to keep trying to lock him up. Not confirming that tonight. I'm going to look at the entire schedule. (laughs) But they got me two locks. I couldn't be more happy. Our Reddit board signed up for Jimmy G tonight. They know what they're doing. Uh, This lock uh, match is coming right down to the end. They did this week. They're learning. They're learning. They've locked up the Jets twice. They're learning. They're learning is right. I'm a George Kittle guy. I like George Kittle. He's huge. I like like, like Trent Taylor. I like that the the rest of the country is watching the biggest AFC game of the year. We've been talking about it all season. A lot of people have kind of an eye on, you know, an NFC West change into the guards. But Sessler's over in the corner, (laughs) and he's locked into the team of Sestiel, the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, I am. Uh, Yes, I am. Let's move on. Cousin center center on second and 10. Fakes the reverse. Under heat. It's a little screen pass to Bibbs. He's got blockers at the 30. 25 to the 20. Up the right sideline. 10. Into the end zone. And it's a Redskins touchdown. Capri Bibbs takes it all the way. Larry Michael, WTEM. Sounded a lot like Patrick Claibon. Uh, it was the only <laughs> game in week 15 with no playoff ramifications. And the two teams played like it. Kirk Cousins threw for 196 yards and two touchdowns. And the Redskins, Redskins held on. 
uh, for a 20 to 15 win over the Cardinals in Landover. Um, Shook, let's really dig into this one. Yeah, was there anything to take out of this game? Let's be quicker. Uh, oh, actually, okay. Fun fact: Did you know that before it was called Landover, it was an un- <laughs> unincorporated territory called Raljon. Raul John. Jack Kent Cook named it after a combination of his two kids' names. Anyways. Sounds like an a evil corporation name yes, in a bad 90s. Yeah. For a dog food. Yeah. What, what was it again? Raul John. Raul John. Uh, like when, they sell like industrial like wire. Ralph and Johnny. Or a I division guess. of Purina. Textiles. Those kind of things. 16, the front. 16-41 from Blaine Gabbert. Uh, three different times there in the red zone. Couldn't get in the end zone. Settled for field goals all day, including the final possession. It was a... Just a, a a a symphony of of just errors and and I just I felt pain for the Cardinals and their future because you know we spent a little bit of time being like hey maybe Blaine Gabbert might be the guy yeah no he's not I felt some sympathy pains uh, that we assigned this game to you Shook we love having you on here but sometimes when you're the new kid in uh, in town you have to take take one for the team so that's what happened listen I watched all, you know, I know we just talked he's about the 49ers I, I'm I'm I, I'm grown up <laughs> Browns fan and I watched a lot of 49ers games in the last few years so um, I, it's okay this this was not that bad but this was a really ugly game uh, I think Capri Bibbs what we heard was about the only highlight for the whole day okay are you gonna get a uh, pumping yeah. Of course. It's a, you know, it's a little late, yeah. but it's time to grind. Why not go Sunday morning before the games? Why do you wait to go? How do you now? know he didn't do that? Oh, do you go twice? You gotta let your muscles rest. Are you just saying that you're going? You know, because you want to hear this drop. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I, why don't Why don't we just come in when I come in? Play, plays. Is that too much? Does it make people? Do you want playing music? No, I don't want playing. All right, there you go, Shook. Um, until uh, next week, buddy. All right, thanks, guys. That game will not be watched on Game Pass this week. It's impossible to evaluate either of those teams with how many injuries they. Wes and I were talking about you know teams you can start to put into a nice little sack and put them in a river. There they go. It's wow. Who would be two? Put them in a sack. Well, put them in a river. Out. That's like what they do with like uh, kittens. Sometimes is that something? Who does that? Kittens. It's like if you kittens deserve our our attention and care, not these teams. I get it. I I get it. It's like if you want to kill someone and but make it especially cruel. Exactly. That's much cooler. Let's move on. Can the Eagles stop the Giants right here? Manning takes the snap. He's back. He's looking. He is firing, and it is incomplete. It is out of the end zone. Incomplete. Intended for Ingram with 43 seconds to go. And that's a wrap, boys and well, girls. the Giants have three timeouts, Mike, so it's a little short of a wrap. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Darryl comes after Mike quick, quick in a big spot. WIP with the call. <clears throat> Maybe the Eagles do have a chance without Carson Wentz. Nick Foles stepped into the starting lineup and threw four touchdown passes, and the Philly defense got that fourth down stop to hold off the Giants, a 34-29 to win for the Eagles at the Meadowlands. Mark, the half-glass full uh, viewpoint here is that Nick Foles moved the football, put points on the board. Uh, the half glass empty is that the Eagles defense got carved up by Eli. How do you view it? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, you think that people would come out of this saying if the Eagles had lost, oh, well, Nick Foles will be the reason. Nick Foles was fine. He, if he doesn't turn the ball over, what, they ha- what happened today, they got it done on offense. I mean, it did not look like what we saw under Carson Wentz. It's a little bit of a different operation. But who expected Eli Manning 
to carve up what is a very good defense for 434 yards and three touchdowns. Vintage. It was a big difference having Sterling Shepard back in this lineup. And he made Evan Ingram is a star. He is an absolutely fascinating tight end. We've known that for weeks. But guys like Roger Lewis, Tavares King, they were all making plays against the secondary. This is a game where you want to point to the kicking changes, what the, 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 the less effective kicking having a direct impact on the way teams have to deal with the fourth quarter. Aldrick Rosas misses a field goal and an extra point in this. They are driving down at the very end, and Eli Manning had to go for a touchdown. You lost this game by five points. They could have easily kicked a field goal, and they would have knocked off the Eagles. We'd be saying something mm. different about Philadelphia right now. The Giants, I'll say this, they have, they show they showed zero quit today. I mean, it's... You were pumped up watching it, them. Well, because I think we're kind of, you know, Dan, you and I are into the G-Men experience. The G-Men! But I mean, Eli Manning made it fun today, and it's like they... The, the Eagles, I still think they're going to get the number one bye. I think they can win a playoff game. They could win two if you get this Nick Foles. He's not going to change the game like Wentz does, but he did not hurt them at all. Today. And this is kind of like a best-case scenario. I haven't watched the game, but... It's bad defense um, he was playing. Yeah, today. I'd like to see how he actually played, but statistically, I mean, what else could you ask for in a guy what stepping into the lineup? Say? Right. Whoa. Five, 504 yards from the Giants against this Eagles defense is one of the more inexplicable and surprising results I've seen. I chalk it up to like division rivalry. Maybe. maybe. I I guess we'll watch the Eagles next week. It's a concerning game if you're the Eagles defense because you need the Eagles defense to help carry this. Yeah, they got to go next level. Instead, they took a step back this week. Let's see how they look. Who they got next week? Oakland and Dallas. Okay, manageable. Let's move on. They've got their bye. Jay Cutler ready to go. The snap. Bills rush four, stunts up front. Cutler gets rid of it, fires downfield, picked off, intercepted at the 45-yard line, picked off by Tredavious White. This time he slides down, and this one will end it. Uh, John Murphy, WGR, with the call. The Jay Cutler feel-good story reached its anticipated conclusion on Sunday (laughs) as the veteran threw three interceptions, including the killer game-deciding pick, right after Miami had recovered an onside kick late in the fourth quarter, allowing the Bills to hold on for a 24-16 to 16 win uh, in Buffalo. Greg, the Bills are suddenly 8-6 and six and in line for a playoff spot in the AFC. And as everyone should know, that has not happened in 18 years. Well, they have to go to New England next week, and that'll be you know a Woof. big big game for them. And if they fall, they're 8-7, and seven, they lose a little bit of control. This, to me, was more the, the end of whatever hope there was about the Miami Dolphins, and it felt, it felt kind of typical felt fitting that the the 2017 Dolphins ended on a Jay Cutler just throw to nowhere. Like they had the onside kick, he was getting pressured and he just threw it up right to Tredavious White. There's no defender in the area and that was the day for Jay Cutler was just kind of throwing it up inexplicably and receivers not being anywhere near the ball. Jay makes a throw to nowhere. He's throwing the ball 49 times Talking today. Heads. He on the road to nowhere. He <laughs> fumbled. He threw like three it. three interceptions. They were all of the like the ugly variety. None of the you know oh, the Cutler was, variety. Yeah, they, they, they weren't yeah. like oh that wasn't his fault. It's like they were his fault. He also fumbled the ball four times today. That's a lot of fumbles. He got he got <laughs> them all back amazingly. A couple were on the snap. <laughs> How many fumbles? Four, 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 four fumbles. That's Sanchez. That's amazing. It, it I love was, this guy. It was rough, and the Bills should get credit um, for coming out. Really playing sharp, good game plan in terms of their offense. Tyrod Taylor was 
kind of doing the Tyrod Taylor things that you love to see, evading sacks and picking up third and longs and improvising and also some schemed up plays. And when they do that, they look they look like an eight and eight team. But that's kind of what they've looked like all season. I mean, we were talking about it downstairs. We're like, oh, do you really want to see this Bills team in the playoffs? But then the flip side is, well, do you want to see the Titans in the playoffs? At least if you got the Bills in there, you get that. The, all those fans get that that feeling that we, you know, we we finally ended that drought. It's a step in the right direction. But yeah, this does feel like a team that's just going to beat bad teams like the Dolphins with Jay Cutler on the road. By the way, they are going to have tie- a big win. They have the tiebreaker over the Ravens right now. Yeah, but that's very misleading. Because once the season plays out, the Ravens will have a better record than the Bills in all competition. How about Wes with the calculator there? <laughs> also, also, the Ravens play two cupcakes to end the season, and the Bills have to go on the road at New England and at Miami. So I don't have to plug in with a modem, no 56K. Give me a little shorthand division, and I'll handle everything. I would like it for the Bills fan base more than I would, most uh, other fan bases. It wouldn't be a home game, but it still, it still would be fun to watch. Well, that. Wild card field in the AFC is wide open. Yes, it is. It's wild. It's wild and wide Kill open. Kill me. Speaking of the Ravens. Deshaun Kaiser stands in the end zone in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Looks to his right. Pumps once. Hit from behind. Ball is loose in the end zone. It's recovered. He's going to be either a safety or a touchdown. Touchdown, Ravens. And the defense takes care of it as Brandon Williams comes up with a touchdown. All right. Of course. <laughs> Boo Bird's out in Cleveland. Jerry Sandusky, WBAL, with the call. The Ravens' defense was expected to be disruptive on Sunday, and they were, causing turnovers, including that touchdown, a 27-10 win over the Browns when it was all said and done. The Browns now just two losses away from becoming the second 0-16 team in NFL history. The Ravens, meanwhile, moved to 8-6, just like the Bills, and they remain in good position, just like Wes said, to grab a wild-card spot. I would be stunned if the Ravens find a way to lose those two games coming up because I, I think they're... West doing a little Jordan-esque fist pump. Three more sandwiches coming my way. Yeah. Ooh, I, 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 see. I, th- I think you're in good shape. And the, the main thing I was watching today was, is the Joe Flacco revival to, you know, respectability to just being solid. Is that like a, is that a thing now? Cause it had been two weeks. It wasn't great against Pittsburgh, but it was good. And now we can say it's three weeks. Like there were bad throws. There were Joe Flacco moments, some sacks, but there were also those. Wow. Like not a lot of quarterbacks can complete those, those throws three or four or five really nice downfield or under pressure. And this is despite losing Jeremy Macklin. They asked him to win the game because they were stuffing the running game. He threw it 42 times it wasn't great, but if he's just okay, then I think they have a chance to beat just about anyone. Any Took care of business. I, I think Cleveland goes 0-16 because the only shot that I think you maybe had, and I don't even consider it a shot if you don't beat the Bears, is Pittsburgh sitting like 25 starters had they wrapped up some sort of... Which isn't going to happen. No, yeah. they're, you're looking at 0-16. I don't know how you keep the coach when that happens. And Deshaun Kaiser, who's, I think, taken a couple steps forward recently... In what's been typical for a season, took a bit, took a step back today. Another red zone interception, missed some he's, throws. Just didn't. He's not going to be the quarterback next year. No, John Dorsey's not. already handing out projects for for guys to select the next quarterback. <laughs> there. Um, I just wanted to I just wanted to check in on the four teams. I asked Lindsay earlier today. Hey, can we just get a printout of all the teams that have been forked, uh, just so I could reference it in the studio? And I say, oh, can I have that on our uh, instant messenger client? She says it's hanging up. 
Look around. You I can't said, find it. You said you wanted it printed out hanging up in the it's studio. It's literally hanging in the back corner of our studio. <laughs> I, I walked How back there. How am I there? supposed to see that? Greg, go grab I it, I walked Greg. back there. You could see it from where you're sitting. It's very, I can't see it, and I have like really good Fox vision. It's 48. I will give you $100 if you could read that from where I'm sitting. We're over 35 years old. We have press biopia. <laughs> All right. I mean, my eyes are good. No, I have I mean, great it's, vision, it's, but it's, it's blocked by TV. All right, well, Greg, you went and got it. That's in the dark. All right, here are the fork teams. Just to check in now, late in the season, are we in danger with any of them? Browns, I think we're safe there. 49ers, Giants, Colts, Bucks, Bears, Texans, Bengals, Broncos, Packers. Ooh. That was the team that could have gotten us. We knew. Dolphins, the uh, gangrene. That's the Jets. The Bills we a few weeks forked. Do we, I don't remember forking the Bills. We forked the Bills, guys. I still feel fine about that one. Raiders mm. and the Redskins. So it's, it's really down to the Bills. Yep. The Bills. The Packers would need a ton of help. ton of help. I'd not be gonna, fine not gonna happen. with that one, especially since Colleen has already been kind of forced into making the donation to the Buffalo yeah, she'll area. Be, yeah, she'll be paying Western New York whatever is due. All right, let's check in with one last uh, Saturday game. Play clock at two. Stafford Thanks for that, Lindsey. Throws over the middle. Caught. Touchdown. <laughs> Pulling it in. Lindsey Fulton. Third touchdown of the season for Ebron, and Detroit has opened up a 19-3 lead. You know why I like Lindsey? She's got some pep. She's got a little. No doubt. She's got a little, you know, loose cannon. Oh, wow. Loose cannon. She's really got, uh, you know, a little, like, edge to her. The Fulton does, too. You don't mess with the Fulton. That's right. Remember that movie? Don't mess with you. Don't mess with the Zoltan. Oh. You don't, movie, probably you, the worst movie yeah. ever. You don't mess with I the Fulton. It. Is what, what oh, I, I I smell a Photoshop coming from <laughs> one of our listeners. Can't wait. Dan Miller, <laughs> WJR, with the call. Matthew Stafford looked healthy and threw two touchdown passes and leading the Lions to a twenty to ten victory over the Bears on Saturday in Detroit. A perfect game, by the way, and I could attest to this personally. If you're running around and Daddy has to take. Uh, the wife and kids uh, to the mall to see Santa, which was a disaster. My son on <laughs> often how just went. to recap, my son on Thursday at the big um, Christmas pageant uh, was standing in the front row, three years old. My boy Jack did not sing. Mm. At one point, covered his eyes. It's and pretty then, normal the not singing for the for the finale. That? Jack turns his back to the audience and God in the church. And two days later, my boy decides to become extremely fearful of Santa. Didn't want anything to do with the man in red. Uh, so I'm still figuring out the kid. A little bit of a counterintelligence revolutionary thing going on there. I mean, that, that's a, it's a pretty common reaction, though, to Santa. On some yeah. level, Santa's a little scary. Hey, go yes. sit on this strange... You know, red man's lap that you've never met before. Right. Concept is odd from a distance. Yeah. Well, my, my point being is that I was <laughs> that was the beginning of my Saturday. I get back on the couch and I'm watching a very boring football game. Perfect time for a nap. I took, I took a little nap <laughs> right in the middle of the game. Anyway, the Lions move to eight and six and they uh, no doubt eagerly anticipate uh, Monday night's uh, affair involving the eight and five Falcons. This was a rare game. We get on the Lions for a lot of things where they controlled it from front to beginning. They didn't have to have a comeback. They didn't, you know, I like front, didn't give up front, a comeback from front to beginning. That's from front to dominant. beginning. I mean, you can't you, you can't get any longer than that. I sorry. Go I was gonna say I, I walked away from this game thinking if the Lions were in the AFC, they'd be a playoff team. They might be a playoff team if they play the Packers, for instance. 
without Aaron Rodgers, which seems inc- are you tabulating? Increasingly possible. I think you're tabulating, aren't you? They're eight and six. Let's get back online, please. They're at Cincinnati next week. Dead men walking. I'm not even sure if Cincinnati will literally show up for the game. Mark put them in a bag and threw them in the river. They done. They might. They might just win that by forfeit. That gets them to nine and six. Marvin Lewis holding a dog with some woman that he picked up at the supermarket, watching the bus drive away. And then they're. They're hosting Green Bay, who at that point is likely to be eliminated and very possibly is sitting Aaron Rodgers. Mm. They've already the Lions have already shown they they can beat Brett Hundley. They did that earlier this season on Monday Night Football. That gets them to ten and six, and very possibly with a little little help from the Falcons. I don't think we need the Lions to approve they can beat Brett Hundley. <laughs> like I'll just believe it on on faith. <laughs> just saying. Could happen in this deep NFC. The 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 Lions are very much alive. What? Yeah, they they did dominate the game. They scored on four of their first six drives. Mitch Trubisky threw three interceptions. They actually let uh, Mitch throw the ball. Uh, Darius Slay played a great game. He's probably yeah. going to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, from front to beginning, he's been a great player all year. <laughs> this Bears team has so much work to do in the off season. If they don't want Mitchell Trubisky's career to get vastly off track at some point here, I mean, you've got to, you've got to do a lot. I mean, this this is a team that relies on Tariq Cohen basically breaking two returns a game to have a shot. He had a big return called back yesterday, and Chicago had no chance to win this game when that was when that happened. Um, how bad have the Bears been under John Fox? They've lost six of seven. They're four and ten, and that is now in three seasons under Fox double digit losses uh, after um, all three years. So. Johnny ain't going nowhere but home after the season. I'd like to see I mean, Hugh Jackson wishes he had John Fox's record, but yeah. And I'd like to see Eagles quarterback coach John DeFilippo, who Mark is familiar with, working with Mitch Trubisky next year. Mm. I like that. Roll, coach. John. Good coach. Let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. Avoids the sack, and he's going to try to run it in. Oh, he's, he's going to lose the ball. Yeah, did he lose the ball? Does it go out of the end zone? Does he lose the ball? The Cowboys are signaling for a touchback. This could be a touchback. The runner fumbled forward through the end zone and out of the end zone. Touchback. The ruling on the field is a touchback. Yes, on a day where the arcane, clunky NFL rulebook decided the game of the year. How fitting that Sunday night football ended with the dreaded fumble touchback rule. It cost the Raiders their season, or whatever was left of it, a 20-17 to win for the Dallas Cowboys uh, in Sunday night football, a game in which, yes, Derek Carr scrambling towards the pylon with uh, less than a minute to play, had the first down, but had the misfortune of losing his grip on the ball. It goes out of bounds. Chris Wessling, that's a touchback to Dallas, according to the rule book. And uh, the Cowboys are alive in the NFC playoffs, and the Raiders are done. Yeah, ended the Raiders' drive, ended the game, ended their season, and put their fans out of their misery. Season-long misery watching this bad football team. Mm. It, One of the most disappointing teams in the NFL in the most disappointing division. It, yeah, it was it kind of, I don't know what the word is, anticlimactic that the Marshawn Lynch returned to Oakland, like feel-good story, all but ended tonight with him losing it on the sidelines, yelling at the officials, I guess for that call, but it was undeniably 
the correct call. You know, it, everybody calm down a little bit with this. Marshawn Lynch is amazing thing. I mean, <laughs> what is he? What are you doing? What he's are you, a great running back. Yeah, he's a great running back, but this like amazing man angle. What are you doing in everything the official faces? Does. That was a perfectly called play. Everything he does is precious. Right. Not precious to me anyway. The the call was correct. The rule, much like the catch rule, is not is complicated, but it's poor. I think they need to put the touchback back to the twenty yard line. You keep possession, but you're you're way back up. It's like a touchback, except you keep the ball. You don't lose possession. Fumbling out of the end zone is a is a bizarre rule that just doesn't really. Does the down sense. count? Down's got to count. Yeah. Why do we have rules that punish athletes for making spectacular attempts at plays? Well, I do think that players might have to rethink all the diving at the end zone, though, in that way, because it's happened so many times. Jesse James, you know, the Steelers win if he just holds on to the ball there. He did. He crossed the, the I, pylon I know, but with if the he, ball in his hands after catching it. If he, if he hadn't. <laughs> Gone down. I hear God. what you're saying. In Derek Carr, in that situation, Jeff Heath did a great job getting over there. But ultimately, like if he had just taken that, if he had gotten the first down or, you know, he'd been a little more careful with the ball, ball security, they have first and go at the one and they win that game. We should mention the other most amusing part. Uh, the game itself was okay. Uh, but the really amusing, and it was a gutsy onion call by Jason Garrett. Fourth and one, five minutes to play in the fourth quarter. At their own 39, the Cowboys decide to go for it. Empty backfield, which is a little weird. Someone goes in motion, and Dak Prescott takes a snap, surges forward. It appeared, at least by uh, first glance, that Dak got it, but they decide to bring out the chain gang. And it is so close, the measurement, that Gene Sterator, who, by the way, Gene Sterator, who called the, uh, who made the Des caught it decision, maybe this is a bit of a makeup call, decides to fold over a index card, what a day for the NFL official, <laughs> uh, to decide if he actually just did get the first down, and that was through the bent index card, the decision was made that the Cowboys did get the first. So first and 10 at the 40, three plays later, a 40-yard pass to Des Bryant, uh, which set up a field goal to make it 20-17. to 17. And then it was that ensuing drive which led to the car shenanigans. Uh, what a day. What a world. When Al Michaels is, you know, kind of putting his hands up of, like, what's a catch, what's anything, like, he doesn't understand the rules, then, you know, we're in trouble. Al Michaels, quote, this will live in infamy. <laughs> nah, I don't know about And that. there's a wry smile from Steratore as he's walking away. He's like, I know I'm going to be the butt of four million internet jokes over this. Well, I, I like it's part of the gig. How else are you going to tell if it's a first down? I, <laughs> I thought liked it was. It. Yeah, I thought it was pretty ingenious. I don't get what did it do though. I'm, that's what I'm confused about. It, it so measured it, whether it was actually that far. It, the card was hitting the football, right? Which makes it a. First but it was down. bent. Right, right. It was folded. So he folded it tight together. Yeah. It wasn't that tight though. <laughs> well, they were upset. Del Rio, in theory, I guess, was upset because you know it's a double piece of paper versus one. If it's that close. I'm, could have been a single piece. Maybe it wouldn't have been. I mean, the Cowboys are now eight and six. They would have fix your rule book. They would have been all but knocked out if if they lose this game. Imagine a scenario here where the Cowboys win next week against Seattle, win against Philadelphia, and they end up getting into the play. Who knows? It could change NFL history. That index card. They'd be killed. They'd be robbed on a catch rule situation against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. If you if you don't like the Cowboys, though, I have a couple. I have some good news for you. Done some calculations. Ooh. Good.
And then let's go home. Yeah. I can't take it. Great gross playoff calculator now online. We're so done with today. We're going dial up at 9 p.m. Pacific time. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys, if you don't like the Cowboys, some good news for you. They're in deep trouble. They're going to lose tiebreakers to the Lions. If the Lions get to 10, they're going to lose tiebreak to the Falcons if they get to 10. And they're just not that good of a team. And they play two decent teams coming up. I don't really expect them to get to 10. That decent Seahawks team that just got absolutely jobbed in their home stadium. Um, Okay, there you go. Throw them all in the river with Mark's bag of whatever. Cats. (laughs) Um, Neutralize them with lasers. (laughs) We will be back on Tuesday uh, where we will begin to look towards, yes, the penultimate week of the regular season. And uh, thank you for everyone uh, for listening along. As always, uh, let's now get out of here. Congratulations, Greg. Another big day for you. I'm I'm trying to be magnanimous. (laughs) Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the ever-blessed old boss, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. You don't mess with the Fulton till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.